All right, you can be seated. Merry Christmas to you and welcome to COVID Christmas. It's a crazy, crazy year. But I'm thankful for Jesus and I'm thankful that you are here today. And uh, worship was a little different. As you heard Pastor Heath say in, in his intro video that we are recording for the next several weeks uh, till after the first of the year. Uh, with the rise in COVID cases, um, it's been important that we protect those that are up here. Uh, last week, you'll notice Pastor Natasha wasn't here. A few of our pastors have gotten COVID and they go home for a free vacation for about 10 days plus. And um, so Pastor Natasha had COVID. She is out of quarantine. She got out Friday and uh, they kind of spread out and, and they may come back live and do that and just use a few singers. But when you're up here with no masks, spitting, singing, uh, it's not a good thing. So we're just doing that to try to protect everybody and protect our, those who are serving every week. By the time they practice two hours on Thursday and then again in the morning and then two hours of worship, that's a lot of time of breathing on each other. So I know Christy and I have been, I would have wrapped my face in cellophane this week if I could, uh, trying to stay away from germy, germy people. Uh, I didn't want the COVID cooties. I want to be able to go to Ohio on Tuesday to see my grandbaby and my children. And so, Lord willing, we'll get there this week. I want to mention that uh, we're doing March to the Manger offering. And um, if you're watching online, you can give online. And when you go on the app, there's drop-down menus and you can choose different Halfway there, $10,000, and in the first two weeks, we're a little over dollars And so I, you guys are great givers. The church is uh, generous. And I will, I, I will update you after Christmas. We did our last What's What this week uh, for two weeks, but we have 35-plus um, food baskets going to United Christian Ministries. That is a ton of food. Uh, if you still have a basket and you forgot, uh, you need to let me, uh, Pastor Sherry or myself know so we can make arrangements um, to drop that off. Uh, two things that I wanted to mention to you. One is Christmas pause. We've been doing that the last few nights, and it's really been a meaningful time. We light the candles, we turn down the lights, we have Christmas music playing, and it's an opportunity for you to come into the sanctuary with just you and your family or by yourself. There's no one else. We try to keep it germ-free. Uh, we come tell you when to come in and uh, give you about 15 minutes in the sanctuary. And, um, and then we ring a little bell, let you know it's your time to go, and uh, we sanitize and let the next... I have two slots open for tonight, three. Okay, so 6, 7.15, and 8 o'clock. So if you would like to do that, those slots are open. You need to uh, write it on your card. I want to come tonight, mention one of those times. And um, we'd love for you to come and spend just a few moments. Please be praying for Mike Hayes. Uh, if you're on the prayer list, and the, the way you do that, you just give us your email and tell us you want to be on the email list. Uh, he tested positive for COVID last Friday. He knew he was exposed. Uh, Saturday, he was very sick. He called me on Sunday evening and said he had a temperature of 103. He was one sick dude. And Thursday, we got... Uh, a text that they were calling EMS because his oxygen levels were dropping. So he is in um, Oconee Hospital, 
And as of yesterday, he was doing better. He was maintaining, but every time he talked, his oxygen levels would drop. And so I'm like, just let me talk to him. I'll tell the guy to zip it. I can't wait for that time. No, I love Mr. Mike. And I, I, was, I was talking to Greg, and I said, we had the same sentiment. I'm like, when he gets out of the hospital, I'm going to beat him up. Because I was texting all day, how you doing? Oh, feeling good. Next thing I know, um, you know, it's not going well. So pray for Mike. Let's pray for his healing. Uh, there are a few other families who have tested positive. I'm, I don't just share that information unless they tell me I can. And so um, but let's be praying for those. You don't know if you're going to get the sniffles or you're going to be on a ventilator. It's scary days with this virus. So, but um, be smart and be healthy. Yesterday, uh, I had the privilege of um, helping with the funeral for John Cole. He passed away a week ago Saturday, very quickly. John and Lois used to attend here uh, for several years and then attended um, Greenville First Presbyterian. And their pastor, uh, who was supposed to do the funeral, ended up getting COVID. So um, I was able, Pastor Mark and Anna were there, and we helped with the funeral, and Joyce sang. So it was a Pickens View crew. And uh, I did put her address in the newsletter, you think of Lois, pray for her, and uh, send her a card. This week, Christmas Eve service is online. Uh, we're finishing the uh, videotaping tonight, and Pastor Heath puts together all these videos. He's our pastor of technology, thank the Lord, because uh, it's complicated to me. And, uh, and on Christmas Eve, it will air every hour on Facebook, so you just go on, and anytime your family wants to watch it, if you're stuffing a turkey at 11 and you want to watch the Christmas Eve service, there you go. Uh, I want to encourage you, we are going to do candle lighting. I, um, we asked uh, Debbie and Tony Ellison's little granddaughters came and sang Silent Night for us. And so if you need candles on the table as you leave, they're already in little bags by two, three, four, five. And if you need more, just take several bags. Or if you need 100, which you shouldn't because it's COVID and you shouldn't have 100 people, but we've got them out there uh, if you need them. So pick those up today. I didn't mention first hour, but go ahead and fill out your connection cards and just as you leave today, put those in the offering. Let us know what your prayer requests. The offices will not be staffed for the next two weeks. Um, part of that is COVID. We've already been a scarce crew, uh, staying home, staying away from each other so we don't make each other sick and so we can see family over Christmas. Um, so if you need anything, you, all you have to do is call the church phone number and it will roll over to the pastor's and that we can do whatever, meet your needs, and, and help you out. So uh, just know that that's happening. We are having church next Sunday. We hope that you will be here and uh, as we look to the new year. So this morning, as we finish our Christmas carol series, uh, we're looking at a carol that is a sentimental favorite, Away in a Manger. So if you'll grab your message guide and a pen so you can take a few notes, that would be great. The origins of Away in a Manger uh, are, remain a mystery. We do not know who wrote Away in a Manger. Originally, it was three verses, and then several others have wrote more verses. Uh, we do know probably who wrote the music, who composed the melody, but we don't know who actually wrote this carol. Uh, it's been a popular children's song because it has vivid uh, imagery of Jesus' birth, and the verses are simple, easy to learn, easy to sing. Most children can sing away in a manger before they can read. So it'd be easy, though, to dismiss this carol, Away in a Manger, as just simply a children's song. 
But how Jesus was born, where he was born, and the environment and the, and the circumstances around all that really have great significance. And this carol describes those. Jesus was likely born, we talked about last week, instead of the warm, stable barn that's clean and well-lit, was probably more like a cave or some sort of rock outcropping that they used to protect animals. And he would have been laid in a manger, which sounds fine until you realize what a manger in the first century Judea would have been. It was an animal feeding trough. It would have been made of stone. Uh, Jesus would have been laid in the manger with hay around him. And as Carol said, there was no crib for his bed. So even in those humble conditions, we're reminded in this carol of who Jesus is. In the lyrics of Way in a Manger, there's a short phrase that's repeated again and again, and it's going to be our focus this morning. The phrase is, the little Lord Jesus. When we think about this song, we tend to focus on the cute little baby part. But when we do that, we miss out on something bigger. We miss out on something more significant. We miss out on the most powerful aspect of the song, and that is that Jesus is Lord. The word Lord is not a word that we use very much in our culture, but in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as Lord 740 times. And if it appears 740 times, that means it must have some significance. Right after Jesus was born, an angel made this announcement to some nearby shepherds, Luke 10 and 11. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been He is the Messiah, the Lord. Notice those last two words. The Lord. Jesus came to earth to be our Savior. He was the promised Messiah. That first week, Carol, we, we learned He was Emmanuel, God with us, the promised one. But He is also Lord from the very beginning of His life on earth. It is established that Jesus is Lord. In the carol, Silent Night, we sing the phrase, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. The big question for you and I is this. If Jesus is Lord, what does it mean for us? If Jesus is Lord, what does it mean for my life? Now, the New Testament in the Bible was written in the Greek language. In your notes, the Greek word that was translated as Lord was kyrios. Kyrios meant supreme in authority. He's the top dog. Supreme, controller, or Lord. Now, for many of us, let's be honest, that word controller is a problem, isn't it? It's a problem for us because we like to be in control. If Jesus wants to be in control of our lives and we want to be in control of, of our lives, there's going to be a problem. Jesus is going to have some competition because we want to be in control of our lives too. Now, I don't know about you, but personally, I don't have that problem. I know other people that do, and I could name some of you. It's right on the tip of my tongue, but I'm not. I'm not a control freak. And as long as everybody does what I say and everything goes my way, I don't have a problem with control. Amen? 
You're like, Pastor Paul, we have worked with you on the nativity. Who are you kidding? We like to be in control of our life. But unfortunately, life isn't like that. Most of life is lived out of our control. Listen, if Jesus is Lord, if he is supreme in authority, if he is the controller, then you cannot be in control. So why should I make Jesus Lord of my life? Why is it so important that I allow Jesus to be the ultimate leader of my life? For starters, it's a matter of love. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. If you love him, you will allow him to be the Lord and the leader of your life. His lordship is about love. It's important this morning that we understand this foundational principle about God in every way that God relates to us. Every way it's motivated by love. The more I surrender my life to God, the deeper my connection is with Him and the more I understand how much He cares for me, how much He loves me, how He is constantly, as Scripture says in Romans, working out all things for my good. The only way you and I are ever going to experience God's best in our lives, in every area of our life, is to surrender control of those areas to God. This isn't going to be a warm, fuzzy Christmas message where Jesus lays down his sweet head this morning. This is going to be a challenging message about giving God control. How do I know if my life is fully surrendered to Jesus Christ? There are three questions that we're going to ask ourselves to determine if we're fully surrendered to Jesus, if if he is our Lord. Number one in your notes, have I accepted God's gift of salvation? Have I accepted God's gift of salvation? Now, if you were here or listening online, we talked about this a little bit last week. Have you accepted God's gift of salvation? Have you asked Jesus to be your Savior? This is the first step for everyone. Jesus is the only way to the Father. It's the first step in having a relationship with God. And because of sin, our sin, we're separated from God's presence, from His peace, from His power in our life, and more significantly, we're su- su- uh, separated from God for all eternity. We will miss out on heaven. The angel in the Christmas story announced good news. The good news is Jesus came into our world that first Christmas, and Jesus is God's gift to us. Jesus was the very first Christmas gift we talked about this last week a gift is something that i have to receive it's something that i have to open jesus came to die on the cross he came to pay the penalty for my sins so that you and i can have a relationship with god and so that we can have eternal life with him in heaven the question is how do i accept this free gift salvation romans 10 9 and 10 says if you declare your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and you are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved 
I want you to notice two things. First of all, in order to allow Jesus to be your Savior, you must believe in your heart that He is your Savior. Jesus came to die for you, for your sin. You must believe that Jesus is who He says He is and that God did raise Him from the dead. But notice what else. Right there in the beginning of that first verse, so also you have to openly declare that Jesus is Lord. When we lived in Buffalo uh, for eight years, uh, by the way, I talked to Pastor Jake this week. Jake's been gone for us one year. He left right after Christmas, or about two weeks before this. He graduated and moved to a full-time position in just over the border of New York in Pennsylvania. He sent me a picture. He was shoveling 35 inches of snow from the snowstorm that hit the East Coast uh, this week. And he said, after I dig out, I think God's calling me back to South Carolina. I said, come on. Buffalo is a snowy place, 150 or more inches of snow every winter. But when we would go to see Grandma and Grandpa at Christmas, Grandma and Grandpa lived in Michigan, so we went through Canada. It's a shortcut. So we'd go downtown Buffalo and we would take the Peace Bridge across the Niagara River, which is amazing. The Niagara River, Lake Erie flows right into the Niagara River and goes right down and right over the falls. I do not know how Lake Erie does not run out of water. There is so much water going down that river. So we're going across the Peace Bridge and Jordy, we call him Jordy, he's a grown guy now, he doesn't like Jordy, Jordy, Jordy if you're watching, Jordy. So um, he's still Jordy to us. Jordy, when he was small, he was a smarty. And actually, he was a smarty all through school, but he didn't have to work very hard because he was a smarty. Never brought a book home in high school. But he would ask a lot of questions. So we're going across the bridge, and I looked up, and I could see right in the middle is the Canadian and the American flag just flapping in the frigid air. And I said, Jordy, I said, um, do you know why those flags are up there? He said, no. I said, well, when we get right here in the middle of the bridge, right where those flags are, that's the boundary. Right in the middle of this river, this side is the United States, and that side is Canada. And I heard from the back seat, hmm, thanks, Dad. No one ever told me that before. Oh, boy, what a little man. Can I tell you a secret? That's kind of how I felt when I first came to Christ. There were some things that people had never explained to me before. I wish they had. I wish that someone had helped me understand this principle better, that salvation doesn't come without recognizing first, confessing with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord. You see, sometimes we want people to get saved. We want them to come meet Jesus. So we talk about the cross. We talk about that you need a Savior. You need your, your sins forgiven. And I did that, and I understood that, and God cleaned me up. But, you know, I was still a mess. My life was a mess, I was a mess, I didn't grow up in church, and I thought, well, Jesus saved me, but then I felt like it was all up to me. Saved you, good luck. It was kind of confusing. Some people think that they can embrace Jesus as Savior while rejecting Him as being the Lord or leader of their life. Listen to me. You can't accept Jesus' free gift of salvation and think, that it won't impact your life. It will change you. It will change the way that you live your life. 
Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. You see, this gift of salvation that you receive from God, it may not have cost you anything. It's a free gift, but it cost God everything. It cost him his only son. I really wanted to show you this heart-wrenching video this morning. You would have been in tears. It's called The Most. You can find it on YouTube. It's about a train operator and a drawbridge, and the man's son gets caught down in the gears, and he has to make a decision. Is he going to let the train, is he going to save his son and let the bridge come down, or is he going to save all the people in the train? And the man just weeps as he lets the bridge come down because he has to save all the people. That is God. Sent his only son knowing that we would reject him and beat him up and nail him to a cross and kill him, spit on him. He loved us so much that he made a great sacrifice for us. We need to remember that that gift that was given to us at Christmas was the greatest gift. It's important to understand that the gift that was given to us comes with tremendous love. This isn't like that Christmas gift that you're like, what am I going to do with a Chia pet, right? God put so much thought into this. He gave everything. He said, this is the best gift. This is what you need. Listen, it's easy to take it for granted, and it's, it's hard to understand how much it's worth. Sometimes I almost feel like it'd be easier if God just says, salvation cost a thousand bucks, Right? Because then we know what to expect. I'll just work for Jesus. I'll work it off. And if I go to a thousand bucks, we're good. I know what God expects of me. But I don't know how much it costs. How can I repay for this gift? There, there's a fella in the church. That sounded real southern, didn't it? There's a fella in the church who helps me a lot with projects. And uh, usually during nativity, he takes three weeks of vacation. And um, I could never do the things that I do at church without help. And, and he's a worker. And I'm telling you, uh, I don't, we would never get things done. It's amazing. And I always feel so indebted to him because I could never repay him. I couldn't even pay him money enough for the time that's spent. And I don't feel bad. I don't try to take advantage. I don't. Because, hey, we're working for Jesus. So it's all good. So I did find his weakness. It's not kryptonite, it's Diet Mountain Dew. So I can't pay him, but I know he loves Diet Mountain Dew, so I, about the time we're done with something, I'll run and get about four or more packs of Mountain Dew, and then I either have to sneak him in the truck or run by his house and throw him on the porch and run away. He likes his Mountain Dew. But the real truth is I could never repay him. There's many of you that serve the Lord that way. And I feel indebted. Can I tell you something? This gift is too much. It's too extravagant. It's too costly. I could spend my whole life and I could never pay for this gift. That's why Jesus, that's why God said it has to be free. I can't work for this. I could never pay for this. It has to be free. So 
what does it cost me? Our only reasonable response is to give our whole life back to God. To surrender our lives to Him and let Him be the leader and the Lord of our life. This is an important question that I believe some of you need to wrestle with. If Jesus isn't chasing, changing your life, if He's not impacting your decisions, if He's not setting the direction of your life, you have to ask yourself, do I really know Him? Do I really believe in Him? I'm not saying that we have to be perfect. Not at all. But if your salvation didn't impact the way that you're living your life, how you make decisions... You need to ask yourself, do I really know Jesus? When you receive God's gift of salvation, it changes you. Jesus always changes you. Have you accepted this free gift and allowed God to be your Savior and your Lord? You know, some people like to focus just on the Savior part. And back, you know, I'm not, Billy Graham was the great guy, but back in the day of evangelism, we really focused on scaring people into heaven we used to do this drama in ohio heaven's gates hell's flames and ooh. Uh, when you're i remember jordan and emily when they're small they couldn't even come the music is so loud your pew is shaking when the devil part comes and the flames are flying and the lights flashing i had to play the devil one year that was the worst i was dragging people to hell right across the carpet giving them rug burns <laughs> they were screaming and yelling like eh, 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 eh. it was terrible People responded. We were trying to scare them into accepting a relationship with Jesus, but, but here's the problem. Uh, they get so focused on the Savior part, they just want fire insurance. Some people misunderstand and they think they can accept Jesus as their Savior to save them from burning in hell, but they want to ignore Him as Lord. He has to be both. If there's no change, if Jesus hasn't become your leader, then there's something missing because knowing Jesus always changes you. If you've never taken this step to accept God's gift of salvation, if you're listening today online, you're sitting here in the pews, you've never made that de decision, what are you waiting for? Do it today. You can do it right wherever you are just by praying a simple prayer. All you have to say is, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior and my Lord. I surrender to you. It's just that simple. If you mean it from your heart. To determine if I'm fully surrendered to Jesus, first I have to ask, have I accepted God's gift of salvation? Secondly, in your notes, have I submitted every area of my life to Jesus? Have I Submitted every area of my life to Jesus. When you accept God's gifts of, of salvation, you choose to follow him. That he, Jesus didn't walk along and say to the disciples, what do you need and how can I help you? He went by and said, hey, follow me. And what'd they do? Follow Jesus. When we choose God's gift of salvation, we're choosing to follow him. And as we grow and we learn to follow Jesus, we have to make sure that we're submitting every area of our life to him. Now, we say that we're surrendering areas of our life to God, but aren't there certain areas in your life where you keep fighting for control? Where you keep pulling back from God and you don't submit them to God? Luke 6.46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, 
and do not do what I say. This is a tough verse. This is a hard question. Jesus says directly to us this morning, why do you call me Lord, but then you don't do what I say? Jesus is saying, look, don't be a fake. Don't pretend and call me Lord when I'm really not your Lord. When you're not listening to me, when you're not following, when you're not doing what I've asked, don't pretend that I'm your Lord, the Lord of your life, and then go and live however you want to. Unfortunately, this is where a lot of us get stuck. We say that we want Jesus to be Lord, but we still want to be in control. There are areas in our life that we won't surrender to God. To be perfectly clear, Jesus is not a part-time Lord, and he's not looking for part-time followers. The truth is, the reason that many of us haven't fully submitted many areas of our lives to Jesus, if we're honest, is because we don't completely trust him. Remember this summer when we did the series about our, our work wagon? We probably need to repeat that every month or so. I gave everyone five marbles, and I said, now I want you to think about five things that you're worried about, that you're stressed about, things that just go over your heart and mind every day, every week, and give those to God. And we use these 10, ten uh, buckets because I wanted to hear you give them to God. Right? And then some are a little glued to your hands a little tighter because you don't want to let things go. Right? We're supposed to surrender everything to God. And here's the point. We're not really trusting God because like we should because sometimes we give them area of our lives only to look in there and say, well, God, you know, I like that pretty blue one and I've been praying about stuff and you just, maybe you're preoccupied. You know, uh, you're so taking care of someone else's needs. Maybe, well, let me just take that back for a while and let me handle that for a while. We take things back from God. We're not really trusting him. And listen, when you do that, Here's what happens. When we stay in control of an area of our life, we make wrong decisions because we're not letting Jesus be the leader. How did I get into this mess? Because we're not trusting him, trusting God, we quickly make a mess of things. Now listen, God allows you to struggle and strain. He'll let you hit rock bottom until when you look up, you'll realize he's what you need. He'll let you wear yourself out. Until you realize you've got to keep everything surrendered to God. Give it to Him. Listen, this is why this whole idea of love is important. The same love that gives us the gift of salvation. He did not spare anything to give you everything. That same love is constantly at work trying to help us to learn to trust God. Know that He is always good and He can be trusted to be faithful. God is helping us. Take a moment right now. I want you to examine your life. What are some areas of your life that you need to surrender to Jesus? If you look in your notes, I gave you a list. It's not everything, but here's a few. Today, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. Maybe some of you need to surrender a relationship or your career or your family or your marriage or your finances, or your free time, whatever, there's a blank spot, whatever it is that you struggle with, put it in there. Let me give you a hint. 
it's probably the area that's causing you stress and worry and anxiety and fear and hurt. Understand this, it's a process. I've learned in my life that God will bring something to my mind and my heart and he says, you know, you're like a fish flopping on the dock here, you know, out of water. Just, you've got to learn to trust me. So God works with me, he knows me, he's patient with me, he loves me, but eventually he lets me flop all over and I finally get wore out and he says, are you ready? You're going to give it to me? I say, yes, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm making a mess. And then, I mean, we barely pack that one in the bucket, right? And God says, hey, what about, what about this over here in the corner? I meant to talk to you about that too. Now, God doesn't pile it all up on us. He, he loves us, right? You can't, if you've got children, uh, you better learn right now, you can't tell them to do 10 things, right? Come in the house, hey, I want you to pick up your toys and I want you to put that in the bathroom and then I want you to take out the trash and while you're at it, go uh, put some more oil on the lawnmower and then go outside and they're like, what did you tell me to do? Right? They don't remember the first thing. God doesn't treat us that way. God's like, hey, I know. If you're like Pastor Paul, you're a little ADD, and let's just work on this. Here's the thing. As I learn to surrender things to God, the thing in the corner isn't as hard because we just learned over here that he's pretty good at it, and if I trust him. God takes us through a process. We need to learn to trust him to surrender areas of our life to him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, I learned it, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Glenda told me after the first service, she likes the version that says, I will direct your paths because not all paths are straight. She's right. But I like this NIV version because it says, in all your ways, submit to him. Surrender to him. Don't lean on your own understanding. Let me challenge you. Whatever the area it is that you're struggling to surrender to God, loosen your grip. Let go of it. Trust God and let him be in control. Jesus said some backwards things in the Bible. And one of the things that he says, if you want to save your life, you've got to lose it. What he's saying is you need to learn to give up control. And then you can experience when we surrender, it sounds backwards, but when you surrender, we experience the best life in Jesus. God is not trying to rob you. He's not trying to suck your joy away or whatever you think is fun or, oh, God's just trying to hoodoo me. When I surrender that to him, he's going to be a killjoy. What you don't understand is when you surrender to God, you will be freer and live a life that you've never experienced. Because in surrendering is where we find our life. I promise, you try it, and you come back and tell me, say, oh, Pastor Paul, you're right. I'm telling you. Question number one, have I accepted God's gift of salvation? Question number two, have I submitted every area of my life to Jesus? Number three, have I sacrificed my will for God's will daily? Surrendering your will to God is not a one-time decision and then you're done. It's a daily decision and here's why. You're not perfect and I'm not perfect. We're all a little broken and we're constantly fighting with God for control of our lives. It's a daily process. Listen, your kids 
didn't learn the right way to brush their teeth the first time. They didn't learn how to take out the trash the right way the first time. They definitely didn't learn how to mow the lawn the right way the first time. It takes time for us to learn to surrender our will, to seek God first, and to give Him control. Every day, we are tempted to give someone or something else first place in our life. And because of that, every day, we have to make an intentional decision to allow Jesus to lead our life, to allow Jesus to be Lord of our life. Whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not, Jesus is Lord. We kind of use this phrase, uh, I make Jesus Lord of my life. I make Jesus Lord. That's not theologically correct. We don't make Jesus Lord. I don't make Jesus Lord. You don't make Jesus Lord. All we do is we simply surrender to what he already is. You daily surrender to your life to Jesus who is already Lord, King of kings. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. You give control of your life to the one who is already in control. Luke 9.23 says, Then he said it to all of them. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus says to follow him, to pick up your cross. And that cross is a reminder that the same baby that was born in a manger would one day grow up and give his life on the cross for us so that we could have eternal life and a right relationship with God. It is a reminder of that, but it's also a reminder that following Jesus is seldom the easiest path. If anyone ever sold you some goods and said, just accept Jesus and life will be fine. No more problems. That's not true. Actually, sometimes following Jesus is pretty tough. Sometimes following Jesus requires sacrifice. Notice the verse says, we pick up that cross daily. Acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. This is not a one-time decision. Every day you pick up your cross. Every day you decide that you're going to follow Jesus. Every day you, you choose to sacrifice your will and what you want for God's will and God's plan. Listen, we have to redirect our lives daily. Some of you, you're fighting this battle right now because it's very hard to sacrifice your will for God's will. You're like, Pastor Paul, I'm not on the same planet as you. I'm not even thinking about God's will. I know. That's why we're talking this morning. It's natural to forget about God, too. It's natural that when you're afraid, you reach back and you're like, whew, ah, things are falling apart. Let me take that back. Let me, let me do something, right? In fear, we forget about God. We, we react. We grab control of an area and we try to do things all on our own again, all over. Look at this way. We hurt ourselves every time we don't surrender. We make our life more painful, more stressful, more difficult whenever we insist on our will over God's will. Remember, it's about love. He loves you. Surrender is simply trusting God's plan more than your own plans. It's letting Jesus take the lead instead of trying to control everything in your life. Here's the truth. Every one of us will eventually surrender to someone or something. If it's not God, it's more likely going to be those things that are causing you stress, 
things that are causing you worry. And here's the, here's the real kicker. You'll end up being controlled by the thing that you're trying to control. It'll rule your life. Some of you will surrender to a relationship. Some of you will surrender to a career. You'll surrender to money. You'll surrender to the addictions that you can't handle. We all will eventually surrender to someone or something. But when you surrender to God, you're surrendering to the creator of the universe. You're surrendering to the one who created you, who loves you, who designed you with a specific purpose and a specific plan in mind and who knows what's best for you. Everything is motivated by love. God's not waiting to shoot you in the leg, give you a flat tire. It's love. Now listen, you want to be ornery? The Bible says God disciplines those he loves. Do you ever discipline your children? Listen. This is service. Growing up, we would proudly go into church with our pocketbook with a huge ping pong paddle hanging out the sign. I'm like, Christy, don't carry that into church. I am. My children are going to know how to behave in church. That ping pong paddle, it might as well have been fluorescent orange. I was like, but I'm telling you what, mama would be up on the stage leading worship. Dad was so focused, I didn't even know what was going on, but she'd just look at him. Unless you want to die. <laughs> Jordy, he always pushed it. Mama just go to the end of the row after church. She'd just go off the platform. She'd, and he'd get up and all of his friends. and It cured him, right? If you want to be ornery and fight God, the Bible says he'll discipline you. Because he wants what's best for you. Just like you discipline your kids. You don't want them to run out in the street and get hit by a car. And God's like, listen, he doesn't call us idiots. He doesn't call us stupid. He's too nice. But Pastor Paul will call you that. I'm nice. But I want you to know the truth. You fight God. You wrestle with God. Sometimes he's going to discipline you because he's trying to protect you from yourself. Surrender to the one who knows you the best. It's a daily decision each morning. Right? For me, first thing I do is I take off that CPAP, you know, and then the dog, Samsey, comes up and licks me on the face as soon as the alarm clock goes off. But when that's over, and I'm coming to my senses, every morning, you too, we need to say, okay, God, it's a new day. I trust you. You're the leader of my life. I'm following you. I want your will to be done in my life today. And Jesus even taught us to pray that prayer every day. He taught us in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6.10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus, your will, not my will, your will be done in my life as it is on earth as it is in heaven. Can you pray that prayer? Can you say, God, I surrender? God, I give up control. God, I want your will to be done in my life. Jesus, you be the leader. You be the Lord. As we close today, be reminded of the greater message of this Christmas carol away in the manger that Jesus is. He always has been. And He will always be Lord. Jesus desperately loves you and me. And he wants to be not just our Savior, but 
Lord of our life. It's a two-part package. As the carol says, be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me. I pray he loves you this Christmas. I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you're feeling. Everything he does is motivated by love for you. He's trying to help you learn to trust him. Let him be the Lord of your life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for letting me be pastor of this church. For every sermon I've gotten to preach from this pulpit. Because your word is real. And you've challenged my heart. You're teaching Pastor Paul that every day I can trust you as Lord of your church, Lord of your people that are sick, Lord of my own life, my own family. I pray today for those that are listening, if there's someone who's never made that commitment to you, that you will help them simply pray a prayer today, or if they need help, they can reach out to us, can put a note online and we will get back with them, fill out a connection card. Help them to make that commitment. Help them to understand. I wish someone, as Jordy said, I wish someone had told me that before. Help them understand that it's a two-part package. Jesus, we have to confess that he is already Lord. And he is. So Jesus, when you come in to save us as our Savior, your Lordship is about love. You'll help us. That love will grow in us. We'll learn to trust you. We'll learn to follow. And it is the best life. I pray that, Lord. I see our college students, a few of them are here, many are on vacation, but God, in this time in their life, when they're seeking your will and your plan, let them know your plan is best and you're gonna show them. God, be with each of us today. Whatever those issues are, those worries that we're hanging up on, help us to remember we gotta give everything to Jesus. Quit wrestling with him, trust him, trust him. God, bless us, we pray. I pray that this Christmas you will keep us safe. I pray that you will bless our time uh, however we can be with family or however this works itself out. But most of all, help us to remember the baby in the manger is the Lord of all. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. The ushers are going to come and dismiss you. And uh, if you need candles for Christmas Eve, they are in the back. You can grab as many as you would like. And uh, Merry Christmas to you. Wow, what an amazing conclusion to this Christmas Carol's sermon series. And maybe God's been speaking to you over the last couple of weeks and you've made a new decision for Jesus Christ or you've renewed your commitment to Christ. We would love to hear from you. Go to pickensviewchurch.com connect and let us know the decision you've made or let us know how we can pray for you. We would love not only to pray for you, but to connect with you and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ as we head into the new year. We also want to invite you to our online Christmas Eve service on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. You can watch it throughout the day. We encourage you to get your family together and just spend some time worshiping our newborn King. God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas and we'll see you soon.